0: Love Talk Radio Trek Talking All things Star Trek and beyond Thursday night 730 to 930 all hailing frequencies are open iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher Spotify, Amazon and wherever fine podcasts are found Trek Talking
1: boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go
0: Log
2: Talk Radio. Kingway, Fox Beerlock Lock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Bristol's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendy's dog, Ransom is very hard. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Beach about lift with this an idiot Facingstead Wolf is wet, Jacko's wearing red. See this cat, can pack that Q has had enough of that. Beat me up, make it so everybody let's go We talk about
1: the series You can join us live by picking up your phone now
2: We talk
1: about the series We're coming to you on the street Services now We talk about the series
2: Comic
1: books and games, we're
0: going on the show now. We the come to the power series. Come we and the us as we get in chat and we go on and on and on and on. And good evening. Happy Martin Luther King Day. Welcome to Comic Corner. I'm your host, Uncle Jim. And with me, as usual, are my trekkers.
2: First, we'll start out with Eric. Eric's out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? Oh, I am doing fantastic. It is a beautiful day in Portland. Sun's been out all day. It's been slightly cool. I enjoyed a little time sitting out on my bench re-reviewing today's comics to make sure to be ready for today. So, beautiful day, guys. Happy to be here.
0: And we also have with us Charles. He's out in
1: Las Vegas. How
0: are you doing tonight, Charles?
2: I'm doing good. It was a sunny
1: day. We dropped into the high 60s, but with about... 10, 15 mile an hour winds. It just wasn't a suitable day to sit outside. So I had to come in that room, my room and then scan the comics. You know, I uh,
0: I enjoyed my day. I, I got up to Chapter 5 in the Janeway autobiography, which I'm really enjoying. And I'm looking forward to talking to Una McCormick about it and talking about it on a future book nook as well. And then I watched. The X-Files, and got up to episode nine in season one of The X-Files. That was my Martin Luther King day. So, guys, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you along for the ride. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. If you'd like to call and share your thoughts on comic books or whatever's on your mind, give us a call. We'll be live here for the next hour, 646-668-2433 is the number. So Star Trek Voyager has, has a four issue uh, mini series out right now by the name of Seven's Reckoning. We're going to talk about issue number one. After Voyager encounters a damaged alien ship in the Delta Quadrant, what at first seems to be a simple repair mission becomes much, much more complicated for Seven of Nine. Eric, you want to start us off with issue number one?
2: Yeah, sure. So I was pretty excited about uh, this series coming out. I am a Star Trek Voyager fan, and I think it's always good to get uh, more stories about Seven. I know that show really took off once she became a character, and of course, she's been a an integral part of Star Trek Picard as well. So it's nice to get a little bit of filler story here. Um, this particular issue is written by Dave Baker, who... Uh, I don't think has been doing a lot of the Star Trek comics that we've been reading recently, but the main artist uh, in this series is Angel Hernandez, who, of course, is a name that we see over and over again uh, in a lot of different uh, Star Trek media. So, uh, yeah, this one is pretty cool. It starts out and it's got kind of a, uh, a great opening splash page that shows uh, Seven of Nine as a board. Um, and it looks like it's a kind of memory going back to uh, when she first came on the ship. Um, And then after you get that initial kind of action page, the next page that you get is this big splash page of the Voyager, which I think is just super beautiful. Um, It's got great colors, blues and greens, and just is really rich in the way it looks. And then the story takes off, and, um, you know, the story's a pretty cool one. I don't want to reveal all the details, but basically it starts out with uh, Janeway and Tuvok uh, sort of discussing the fact that they have come upon an alien vessel, as Jim was reading in the intro, uh, a damaged alien vessel, and that they don't exactly know what's going on with this thing. Um, and so they organize a away team. You know, it's got Tuvok and Chakotay and kind of the standard folks. They decide that they're going to take uh, Seven as she is now, which is – Humanized. So I don't, I don't know exactly when this takes place, but obviously after she's had all her implants removed and that sort of thing um, sometime in the Voyager continuum. And they beam down. And then the other person that they bring with them is Naomi Wildman's mom, uh, which I think is kind of cool because uh, anybody who's a Voyager fan knows that eventually she dies. Um, and Naomi Wildman kind of sort of comes under the, the protective wing, I guess I'll say, of Seven of Nine. So it's nice to have um, Naomi Wildman's mom as part of this away team just to give her a little bit more screen time. I really appreciated that. Uh, So they beam onto the ship. They discover the alien species. uh, They discover some corpses. And then they discover kind of a big cryogenic freeze zone um, where they find all of these bodies that are uh, in suspended animation and as they kind of continue to explore this whole network uh, of the inside of the ship, they do eventually come upon uh, an alien who is not frozen, uh, who's awake and alive and running the ship. Uh, and these aliens look pretty cool. They're two different races, it seems, at least. Um, one is kind of a big, bulky, four-armed-looking thing that's kind of lizardy, And then the second is the, the kind of skinny, two-armed version of that. So some really interesting looking aliens. And we kind of find there's kind of these two societies. There's, you know, this ruling class, uh, maybe religious almost um, type side. I'd be interested to get uh, your guys' take on that. And then kind of this like underling side, the other folks and uh, the four armed ones. And that's who Seven sort of falls in with. Um, And at the very end of this first issue, we kind of get the I think what is the real crux and interesting part of this series, it seems, is that both of these races seem very interested in the idea of the story that's being told. It seems that stories are a big part of their culture. Um, And in fact, at the end of this issue, we get the story of this uh, kind of ancient uh, person who brought uh, justice to their their ancestors, a great warrior, Um, and we get their story. Uh, that warrior is called the Dawnbringer. And we learned that there's this idea that the Dawnbringer is going to come back. is going to help these people back. So it's almost like this Messiah type story. So I really dug this first issue. Um, I thought the art was on par with kind of what we've been seeing elsewhere. And I really, I, I was very easily able to read all of the dialogue in the voice of the characters, you know. And that's kind of been my measure of, are these comic books well-written? When I read it with Tuvok's voice. Does Tuvok sound like Tuvok? And I thought Tuvok sounded like Tuvok in this one. So I, I overall thought this was a pretty darn good issue. I liked it. Nice intro to a compelling story, and it uses a lot of different characters from Voyager. Focuses on Seven, yeah. Um, but, you know, they bring the other ones in, and, um, and they're important to the story. So that's kind of my take. What do you think, Charles?
1: Well, okay, let me start the story off. We get a little interesting comment, uh, interesting discussion between Janeway and Tuvok. As Janeway just got out of a hairstylist, and she's just not completely comfortable. Sure, she likes the new hairstyle, and this one's kind of funny because in Delta Flyers, they do discuss the fact that Janeway went through many hairstyles throughout. All of these That was a bit of a Interesting, calm, interesting discussion On the fact uh-huh. of which talk She had that week <laughs> Eric also said I wasn't sure when this hap- When this story occurred I'm thinking this story occurred Early in season 4 Uh huh yeah. As yeah. the fact that She says Mr. Chakote, Take our new board Companion with you Perhaps she'll be helped in, this, in identifying the species of this craft. This kind of gives me the idea. This is early in season four, where we're just starting to get we're starting to under, we're starting to get deep deta- understand Seven of Nine a little a little bit. Mm-hmm. But they get to see this big ship come up, but they don't get any communication from it. They're looking at the ship. They're realizing this ship's been flying around for a while—not decades, but more—I'm if you number, but a good
2: century. Yeah, it was like oh, it, was, it was like it was like nine hundred years, I think, wasn't it? it? was almost a millennia. Something like that. Well, yeah, yeah, nine
1: hundred thousand wow. years. So the fact is that it's a old ship that's been stuck in its travels which makes an interesting story. And then you have the interesting formality that when you, I'm not going to try pronouncing this race's name because it's a long, complicated, Trekkie-type name, <laughs> but you've kind of got the ro- higher royal group that are looking a little bit like Golden Lizard, and then you've got the others that have the forearms, which are more of the work, workers, and it's interesting how the fact that they want to see their le they want to, that's like, okay, we're not going to talk to you, Take, bring your leader to us, so it's like, okay, we have to have Janeway involved in coming in, and... I love the lines where Janeway's like, who are you? And like, usually, uh-huh. Catherine Janeway, captain of the Starship Voyager. Seven of nine, the adjunct of the Unimatrix Zero-One. Tuvok. Yep. Tuvok just stumbled <laughs> the title.
2: Yep. Yeah, that's how yeah, that's a bit out. of a
1: Tuvok. It's like, I'm oh, just, yeah. oh, yeah. just Tuvok.
2: <laughs> yeah, so those races, Charles, the golden 2 armed ones, I would say I'm guess I'm gonna guess that's Khazar or something similar. And then the four armed ones are the Besh, Khazar and Vesh. Well <laughs> now
1: it says the name is species. Yeah. If you look at when Jane meets them, they pronounce oh, big the name. Line.
2: Oh yeah, okay.
1: It's, yeah, it's that big wild. Are...
2: Oh. That's right. Wildman says something about the translator, can't even really translate it very well. Right. Yeah. So they give that long name in there. Well, and what's interesting is that we, as we, we read through this, and then so there's the one corpse back when you were talking about in the book there where Wildman's talking about the translation, and there's that one corpse that we meet. And I think that corpse was a two-armed one, right? So that was one of the ruling class ones? Yeah. That looks more
1: like maybe one of the ruling class ones or an earlier –
2: yeah, like if the four-armed well, a little ones
1: more used to be, like the, A little more like the higher class. Character.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was under the impression that that these two races flopped positions.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: four-armed ones were in charge over the two-armed ones, and then the two-armed ones had a revolution and overthrew the four-armed ones, and now they're in command. But I was kind of like, I was under the impression that they had a nine hundred years ago or whatever it was, that they had some type of of a power struggle, and they switched places, and that the two armed ones were trying to keep the four armed ones down the way I uh-huh. understood it
2: yeah I and that's totally why agree they, with that.
0: They, you know they would only deal with seven because seven had two arms, and you know and the forearm ones. We're looking at seven as if she was the bringer of the dawn, or, or um,
2: mm-hmm. the uh, dawn bringer. Yeah,
0: the, yeah. ma- yeah. the dawn bringer. That's it. And then yeah. her job was to, to finish the story, which we still don't, we still don't know what the story is. But her, she has a part to play in this story of these four armed people.
2: Yeah, the way I, just, I read it. And, Jim, you bring up that story thing again. I just think that was one of the coolest parts about this because I think what that kind of description of these people does is it puts you in that awesome kind of science fiction place where, oh, my gosh, there's a culture here that's totally different from mine. What? And obviously finishing the story is, like, really important to them, right? Everybody's talking about the story, story this, story that. So I want to learn so much more about their culture just by nature of the fact that, that it's so different from mine. I did, I find that so interesting, and
0: I, I just said I thought it was great that Naomi Wildman's mother was there too because I just I just read about her in the Janeway autobiography, which I thought was uh-huh. pretty cool. What a coincidence! Yeah, she's in there too. Yeah, yeah. And I read about Tuvok. What a coincidence! <laughs> yeah. So you know, I I I got the the comic book and the Janeway book kind of at the same time. So it kind of worked out well for me. Uh I do want to say that um, after reading through the Deep Space Nine one, this was a huge relief for me because this, this first story, and the second one too, but uh, the Seven's Reckoning is exactly everything that I've come to expect from IDW. Uh
1: I thought yeah, the cover
0: the cover pulled me in. The colors were vibrant. The pages were laid out really well. The artwork was phenomenal. I mean, every, every character looked like the character. I mean, uh, Angel Hernandez does a, a fascinating job on the artwork. And the story, I found, I didn't read it and, it and three pages in say, oh, well, I know who the killer is. I mean, this, <laughs> this story, uh, you know this one's got me interested and I really want to know how the story is going to end. So I'm really, I'm really into this first book so far. I think it's really, really well-written. I think the artwork is well done. The story moves at a really good pace and it makes you want more. And, um, I'm, I'm really, really, really looking forward to seeing where this is going to go. And I think you touched on it too, Eric, seven, I think is one of the most popular characters. Um, on Voyager.
1: Uh-huh. And, the car. Yeah.
0: and I think, you know, a lot of people will say it's because she wore a tight bodysuit and she was sexy. Well, you know, okay, that may be the case for some people. Uh, and I'm not going to deny that she wasn't. But for me, I found seven to be the best part of Voyager. Well, seven and the holographic doctor. For uh-huh. me. Because we don't know anything about the board. The Borg were like, resistance is futile, you will be assimilated. And that was it. And they didn't really have a personality. We didn't know anything about them. We didn't understand them. Um, They had a queen. But we didn't know much about them. And then Seven came along. And we got to learn so much about the Borg through her. And watching her come back to her humanity, to me, was one of the best parts of that character and of Voyager. And watching the holographic doctor teach a bored drone how to be human and sing You Are My Sunshine just gets me. So, <laughs> you know, I'm really, really glad that they picked Seven to tell this story about because I think she's a very important part of Star Trek lore. So I'm also enjoying this as well because I think, as Charles said, I think this story takes place relatively early in Seven's um um, um, umification or non-borgification or whatever you want to call it. Um, I think this was early in her transformation, like Charles said.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I'm really, that, really digging uh, this. I was, I was thinking about these covers and, you know, in that DS9 series, the covers were all done by somebody different from who did the story. And I was just noticing that that is, you know, that's pretty typical. But in this series, um, Angel Hernandez did these covers as well. So that I think maybe that brings a little bit of consistency to the art, too. Uh, Cover leads right into the book, maybe. Yeah. Now,
0: did did these books have alternate
2: covers
0: like the Deep Space Nine book did?
2: Yeah, they did. On your Kindle? Uh, uh, well, not on the Kindles, but in, the, oh. in, the, in paper copy, they had the A and B and the Retailer Incentive covers. The B covers were just um, photographs of um, Seven in the first issue and then Janeway in the second issue. But then the, the Retailer Incentive covers were kind of cool. They just had um, animated series type look to them, um, d- different style but animated characters and lots of vibrant colors and stuff, which I thought was pretty pretty cool looking. I don't know how it actually relates to the story, but uh, but they looked cool. Yeah, and they I, were. Bi-
0: if, if I was flipping through, I would have bought this comic book because I thought the cover the cover really really grabbed me on this one. And mm-hmm. well, I would have I think... said, "Oh yeah, what's going on with Seven and Janeway here?" And I would have grabbed it.
1: Well, I think I'm going to throw in a little bit of discussion on issue two where you actually see one you actually see one of the forearms on the cover, and if they'd done these before any of the books had been created, they wouldn't have probably hadn't very much of an idea what the look, creature looked like. well, mm-hmm. yeah. so I think this one might have actually been done sure you know, the first comic book had had partial artwork done, or they had pre-art of what the characters look like. Mm -hmm. So like the time span between creating what the content inside the comic and the covers were a little closer together than they normally we've seen before.
2: Yeah, I'd love to be in the kind of concept room because – you know, you've got your writers and all that kind of stuff, but I'm, I'm guessing that you bring in the artists and things, too, to help develop what the characters are going to look like. Uh, I mean, I'm completely speculating, I don't know, but I'm, I'm guessing that they should get some input on these things. And then, as you're saying, Charles, yeah. since that's kind of developed early and becomes part of the this, this series, not just that first issue.
1: Because yeah. as I know J.K. <laughs> talked about creating covers before they've even got a full conceptual story. Mm-hmm. Whereas these covers look like, okay, they've got a better idea what the story's about when the covers are getting created.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's why we yeah. have such the more basic covers with that. And I'm wondering if <laughs> it might be because Of COVID, maybe they had a better chance of doing some better covers, cover A's before release of the comics than they normally do. Yeah, because we heard about this book a
0: long time ago. We've been waiting for this book to drop for a while. Uh So maybe maybe that's the case. But anyways, Eric, uh, issue number one. Seven's Reckoning. What would you give this? How many how many chevrons would you give this one?
2: Yeah, I think this one is a very solid start to a very, what looks like it's going to be a very solid series um, on par with any of the ones that we reviewed that I really like. So I'm going to give this first issue an
0: 8.5. Wow. Okay. Yep. What about you, Charles? How many chevrons?
1: Chevrons or deltas? No, I think I'm gonna to go to about eight deltas. Eight? Yeah, I'm I'm right about
0: there. Eight point three, eight point four. As I said, I really liked the artwork. It was it was really you know I knew who all yeah. the characters were, which was great. I loved the colors, the coloring, the inking was was really good, and the story was really good, and the, the layout of the pages easy to follow. The story made a lot of sense. It's not like I know what's going on already. I really need to read the rest, the next book, to find out. Uh-huh. And you know, to me, that's a sign of a good story. In my opinion, It's like okay, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where they're going with. Um. So that's that's a sign of a good story. So yeah, i I think yeah, I think that's what I'm gonna what I'm gonna go with. Uh-huh. Uh, so there, that that uh-huh. wraps up our review our review of. Um, Issue 1 So um, let's take a quick break guys And we'll be right back Trek talking All things Star Trek and beyond Thursday nights 7.30 to 9.30 All hailing frequencies are open iTunes, iHeart Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon And wherever fine podcasts are found Trek talking Boldly going wherever your mind
1: is willing to go.
0: And we're back. We're talking about Star Trek Voyager 7's Reckoning. And um, we're going to be talking about issue number two right now. Uh, Seven of Nine's commitment to the Prime Directive will be put to the test as she finds herself being pulled deeper and deeper into an ancient conflict between two classes of the same alien species. So, uh, Eric, you want to start us off with issue number two?
2: Sure. So this one uh, starts out actually much in the same way the last one does, which I think is very mysterious, and I wonder where they're taking this. Um, The very first opening page is kind of another view uh, of the scene that we saw in the first book on the first page of presumably Seven of Nine as a Borg um, and a couple of people knocked out on the floor and her saying resistance is futile. So, uh, I'm interested if they're going to, uh, bring this maybe into the story later on as a memory or something like that. But as of yet, the first page hasn't really been defined, um, and where they're going with that, but it's interesting. Uh, Next page, uh, splash page, just like uh, in the last book, you get a beautiful view of the Voyager, which I think is really cool. And then we head right into the story. So uh, the bones of this story, I think, are that um, Seven is spending a lot of time uh, on the alien ship uh, attempting to repair the things that are broken. And as she is there, she begins uh, speaking with a lot of the four-armed aliens and, um, there are a couple of stories that are told and, and one, I think in particular is, is interesting. The first I'll just say is that they get the story that these people are not treated very well, just as Jim was, um, alluding to earlier. But the other story that we get, which I think is kind of, uh, reverence and interesting and actually might steer the way that seven's thinking right now, we get this story that the, this race, when they die, um, they dismember their, their bodies uh, as a religious uh, kind of right, because um, they, they're saying that, you know, when a person's alive, they're whole. Um, when they're not alive, they're not whole anymore. Uh, and I just think that is also very interesting, because totally different from our culture, right? Something that some people could just go, ooh, that's really gruesome. But But, you know, the way they describe it in the book here, and I won't read the words for you because I want you to go out and buy it and and read it for yourself. But um, the way it's described here I think is very, very interesting and kind of, like, gives you a little bit of insight into this culture. Um, So that's pretty cool. Um, Seven continues to help repair the ship, that sort of thing. Uh, One of the things that I think is kind of cool as this is going on is eventually she does come back, and stops working with these aliens, and she has this great conversation with Harry Kim. And you can tell that Harry Kim has kind of been sent in um, – well, actually, you don't know right away why he's there, but he's sort of checking in on her. He's like, hey, you know, how are you, how you doing? I've been noticing that you've been gone for a long time. Um, you know, are you having problems? Is there anything I can help you with? All this sort of stuff. And Seven kind of gives her typical – I think you're right, Charles, beginning of season four um, – oh. kind of cold answers – to everything, right? She doesn't really give too much information, um, and she's not above hiding things either. She's a little bit sneaky. There's some behind-the-scenes stuff going on. So she has this conversation with Kim. Basically, tells him nothing. Kim exits the room, comes out, and you find out that Tuvok's the one that sent him in <laughs> to try and find out more information. Um, so a little, a little, uh, you know, Tuvok sending in a spy uh, going on there. There's a very short scene with the doctor who I agree, Jim, is one of my favorite characters in all of Voyager. I think he had one of the most interesting overall character arcs over the seven years. Um, And he just makes a brief appearance here, scanning seven, making sure that she's uh, all mentally there. And then seven is summoned later on in the book. And she is summoned by the two armed in, in, uh, in charge aliens. And this is where we get the story that Jim was talking about earlier about the fact that these folks used to be, the underlings and the forearmed ones, used to be in charge. And in fact, um, not only that, but we find out that these aliens that she's talking to, it's not like they've been in suspended animation for a while and then come out, or that they have super-duper normally long lifespans. We find out that one of the races emits a pheromone that actually extends the life of the other race. And so there's this real kind of um, symbiosis that actually happens between the two races. And so now Seven's, you know, absolute conviction that she had at the beginning of this book about, oh, my gosh, look at these oppressed forearm aliens, uh, the people who are in charge are treating them poorly. Now I think her vision is kind of starting to switch around a little bit, and she's not exactly sure how to feel. Um, which I think is very interesting and fits right in with her kind of journey that she takes throughout Voyager of figuring out what it means to be a human and not a Borg. So uh, I loved the way this one continues, Um, and then it kind of leaves you with a cliffhanger that leads right into issue number three, and they show you the cover of issue number three, and it looks like there might be a little bit more actual revolution involved uh, coming up, so we'll have to see. But I really dug this issue, same artist, um, same art, very interesting story progression, um, and nice little moments here and there with our favorite characters just just chatting with each other, um, giving little little insights to what's going on inside their heads. so I really dug this issue. What do you think, Charles?
1: Well, one of the things that I get that show a very prime seven and the doctor is one line she has with the doctor, and she says to the doctor. I have I have just made a realization. And the doctor replies, "Oh, what's that seven? I have a de- I have a deep taste for your sense of humor above all others. Seven. That makes sense for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah that that that's a good tie-in to giving us a connection to the character. That was definitely." A seven scene is something she probably would say and he'd say. But, definitely, they do a good job of giving us the characters and really giving a good feel of the characters and how they felt in the series. The story is a little confusing. I am going to kind of wait to see what happens with it. Definitely, you can see something's going to happen. Because Seven goes and talks to the ro- the higher higher group and they kinda know that the workers are kind of not happy with what's going on and they know something's going on and when Seven tells the worker he says, Yep, yeah, I know. Oh, good. Good. He's happy. So you can tell something's going to happen in book three. But definitely it's an interesting but very confusing story to me. But it's not going to stop me from wanting to see what happens in book three. Because i definitely be curious, for what is going to happen in this story? And how does that opening screen, the opening page, I'm still confused if that's her past. Mm -hmm. Is that giving her a glimpse Reminding her of the past Or is that a glimpse Of something Which could happen in the future Mm -hmm.
2: Go ahead and finish Eric I was just going to mention one thing about that page That you were mentioning the page where uh, She talks to uh, the doctor And (laughs) You're right. That's a very Seven line, and she says um, the the cool thing about that line, she says, is not only does that just speak to who Seven is, but it actually references back to the first book too. Because remember uh, when they beam down to the planet, uh, Chakotay makes a joke, and she's basically like, "Oh my God, this is a human humor is a total waste of time, and all it does is distract us." Yeah. And so they didn't hear. Yep. And
1: you get the doctor's yep. expression on it. You don't get him just replying. He thinks about it. You get those different faces like, yes, yes. that's how the doctor would act.
2: And that was the he other thing I He would act know, right that away. That He'd think about it. He'd process it. He would. And I, that you mentioned his faces, and that was the other thing I wanted to bring up about this page, that I just feel like the drawings on this page are particularly good and – not only did he capture um, Robert Ricardo's, you know, actual face, but the way he holds his mouth and the way that he kind of expresses his emotions, I just thought yeah. his face was really good on this page. The second panel there, yeah. where he's doing the scanning and he kind of does that, that sort of gritting thing that he does sometimes, that's just like perfectly drawn.
1: Yeah. What do you think, Jim? Absolutely Well, I thought that Like I
0: said, I thought this book was really good I also think that Seven is having I think that Seven is feeling A connection because she's feeling like This race might be um, Enslaved like she felt when she was a Borg And that's why we're seeing the Borg flash But she knows exactly what race is controlling Who Because One of the races and I don't remember who. I think it was the four-armed one. Um, were hooked up to the two-armed one, who was sucking their life out of them through a giant conduit um, of some type. Through and she, the two-armed one says to seven that our lifespan isn't that long, or, or there was a line, or something along those lines. If so I remember,
2: yeah, I, know she I talked I, about. Yeah, she talks about a pheromone. She says, when a Vesh is in the immediate vicinity of a Khazar, they unleash a pheromone which extends the lifespan of any kazar surrounding them. So they're not like sucking right. life force out. It's that they, they actually just kind of have to be around them and uh, they exude this pheromone that extends their life. And she says, so you see, they're very dangerous and very useful individuals. So, yeah. Yeah. And so that, that was – that was an
0: interesting twist because um, when Seven finds them in cryogenic freeze, all, the, all of the cryogenic tubes are, are wired in a, in a way that they were all leading to, to the leader. And the, as they failed, the lead, they were giving the energy to the leader.
2: Yeah, they said that it was person. very matrix, matrixy, right? They said they were using them as batteries.
0: As batteries,
2: right. So I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that's kind of
0: Borg-ish a little bit, Uh kind of. So I'm thinking maybe Seven's feeling a little bit of, um, you know, she doesn't know what what to do here and who's telling the truth, whose story is the real story, because there's two sides of every story.
1: Uh And
0: we don't know what side of the story Seven is going to come down on at this point yet in issue two. We do know that she's having problems okay. because when Tuvok sends Harry Kim in, which I thought, by the way, was a great scene, um, she's not regenerating, and she's not coming back to the ship, and she's, she's making mental miscues, and she's, she's overtired, which for a Borg, for her, that's completely unheard of. Uh-huh. So for her to not be regenerating, And spending extended time away from her regeneration chamber on the ship is unusual, and something is going on. So I'm wondering if this pheromone thing is affecting her, or maybe they're sucking on her and she doesn't even know it type of thing. I don't know.
2: It could be. There's something there. We're just... Yeah, it's just the time and the point in time that we're actually catching seven here, you know, I think, I think Charles is probably spot on with the timing and she's still in that transition phase, you know, so she's like, she's almost like a, like an adolescent at this point, you know, not, not fully adult, because she still hasn't figured out how to be a human. So so her eyes are really wide about what's going on out there in the world. She can be influenced by by a great story. I mean, that's one of the other things that they talk about in this um, series. I can't remember if it was the first book or the second book, but um, you know, it kind of comes across. I can't remember who says it, but somebody's like, "What's the Borg story?" And then the next panel is just her kind of staring, like, "Oh gosh, the Borg don't really have a story." You know, the focus. The focus of this alien race is is definitely what is the story. Even the way that the ruler talks about what's going on with Seven. She's like, you know, who will finish my story? Who will, you know, tell them that their story just ends with pain? Uh, So, yeah, interesting that she's searching for that story because she did not come from a culture that values that at all. And by the way, Jim,
1: actually there are not two sides to a story. As one of my favorite albums said, there are three sides to every story. <laughs> Yours, mine, and the truth. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yep. I always look
1: in the, the words back of that Genesis,
0: in the words of Genesis, it's three sides lies. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably over your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back so, in yeah. the day, they used to have records and. Records used to have a yep. side A and side B, and Damn. records had, had two sides, but Genesis made a three-sided album, so three-sided lives. That,
2: that makes a whole so, side of a disc unusable, though, doesn't it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it was well. interesting, interesting.
2: But yeah, anyway. so. So this story's got some depth to it, right, guys? It's got some, like, it's, it's Seven's exploration. We don't actually know what's going on on the splash pages at the beginning of these issues, and we don't completely understand the story yet uh, and, and who the good guys and bad guys are. And I think Star Trek's at its best when it takes the good guys and makes them bad guys or takes the bad guys and makes them good guys or it presents them and, and says, I don't know, you decide. Who's the good guy and who's the bad guy? That's Star Trek at its best.
1: Well, as... Uh, as we look in and we think of some of Star Trek we think are villains, but many times they were not villains. It was their interpretation. Yeah. Q was not a villain. Q was just, that was his thought, thought his motivation of how he did things. He didn't think of himself as a villain trying to hurt people. hmm That is how he acted
0: How you acted I I enjoyed this I I really did enjoy this book Um, I'm I'm enjoying both of these Actually so far I've always liked We are the Borg
1: Lower your shield and surrender your ships We will add your biological And technological distinctiveness To our own Your culture will adapt to serve service
0: Us Resistance is futile. Now, 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 go away. We don't, we don't need any of that here. Um, no. Anyway, Too much. I, I, anyway, <laughs> I, I think that Seven's a fascinating character. And any time that we can delve into her past, it's welcome. And I think that's why she's such a popular character on Star Trek Picard, is that we get to see where her story, we're back to her story now, where her story leads and where it goes mm-hmm. after. Voyager. And I think that's why so many people are just fascinated with Seven of Nine. And so this is, this is a perfect book at a perfect time. I really enjoyed the story.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: the artwork on the cover, as Charles said, was really, really good. Um, I'm, I'm blown away with how good IDW can be when they're, when they're firing on all thrusters and they're spot on. They're spot on. And these two issues have been spot on. And I'm I'm very very impressed. Angel Hernandez' artwork in this issue is top notch. Again, the story is really good. It keeps me interested. Ends on a cliffhanger. Makes me want to know more and uh, try to figure out what's going on and whose story is what. And uh, like you guys said, seeing her interaction with the doctor made me chuckle. I mean, I just waited for him to sing "You Are My Sunshine," and I would have really been laughing. Um, But to see Harry Kim show up was cool. And I really, really enjoyed this book. I I think it was a perfect follow-up to issue number one. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go – I think I'm going to go with 8.5, 8.6 deltas on this one.
2: Yeah, I think oh. I'm going to agree with you, Jim. Uh, I think this one kicked it up a notch, and it, I actually liked it even better than the first one. So yeah, I'm I'll go 8.7 on this one. It's it's pretty darn good. I'll
1: go 8.3. Well, Charles, Bring my core up. <laughs> yep, I said 8.3 works. There you go.
0: Yeah, yeah, there you have it. So you guys definitely should pick up the Voyager issues. I I am going to recommend them. I think you'll enjoy them if you're a yeah. Voyager fan, if you're a fan of Seven of Nine, or if you're a fan of great comic books. These two, uh-huh. so far, meet, period. So I highly recommend them, for sure. Now, our next comic corner.
1: Yep, go ahead. I was going to say, this is actually a good timing for the story because of not only the anniversary of Voyager, but the release of the card as well.
2: Because I think
1: lot of fan yeah. attention right now.
2: I was wondering if maybe that was part of the reason that we were getting a seven story was her kind of resurgence in Picard.
1: Plus the anniversary. For, this is the anniversary yeah. of Void. Yeah. Okay, twenty fifth release of that and with rumors of them trying to put together a documentary just like uh D S nine had.
2: Yeah, that would be cool. That would
0: be super cool. So I wanted to let you guys know that um, because we decided to do these two books on this, that means our next Comic Corner is actually going to be a good one, too, because we're going to keep year five stories together, which means we'll be able to cover an entire story arc on one Comic Corner because year five is done in two-issue arcs. So we're going to be doing uh, 18 and 19, Charles, is it?
2: I think. I think it's 17 and 18. Either that or 19 and 20. we' start with the odd numbered one. I
0: think it's 17. And 18. Yeah, we're gonna be.
2: 17, and 18. We'll be doing. Yeah. 17, 17
0: and 18. 18. Right, we'll be doing and 17 and 18 of year five.
1: And by which, the way, just it, to give people a teaser, issue 17 is going to be another. Is not going to be another. Um, Jerry 7 and
0: ISIS. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. TJ uh, is going to be sending me that one in the mail because I can't leave the state. So hopefully I'll have that one shortly, but we'll be doing, so we're going to be, we're going to be trying to keep these together so that we can keep doing them that way. I think it worked out.
1: Yeah. After, worked, but
0: it worked yes. out good. Um. But much fine. better. But wait, I like it too. There's more. There's more. Uh-huh. As I stated earlier, we're gonna be talking about the autobiography of Captain Catherine Janeway by Una McCormick. Charles and Eric have already read it. I just got mine. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and it finally came. I sat down, I've been reading it up uh-huh. to chapter six. I'm really enjoying it. Correct. So we're going yeah. we're gonna try to have um, we're gonna try to have Una McCormick come on the show with us like we did when we talked about the Tilly book. And talk to her about this book. She said that she would come back on and talk with us about it. So I'm going to hold her to that, and uh, I'll get in touch with her. We'll probably have to have the comic or book milk We'll probably have to be on a Saturday again, like it was last time, because of the time difference between the UK and here. So you guys want to stay tuned yeah. for that. As soon as when I get closer to finishing up the book, I don't know how many chapters are in it, but when I get nearer to the end. Um, I'll get in touch with Una, and we'll set that up, and we'll get that posted on our Facebook page so that you guys can call in and ask her some questions about the um, the book if you feel so inclined to do so. So that will be coming up in the future. We probably will do Book Nook before we do the next Comic Corner, I would assume. Right, guys, more than likely? Depends so. how long
1: it takes to read. By the way, I'm – I'm actually not that far. You're not that far behind me, Jim. I'm actually got one more, one chapter ahead of you. And we got 12 Um, chapters um, all together. And I think we lost Eric.
0: Yeah, I'm I think he's still there. No, he's there. (laughs) So uh, we will be doing a book nook with Una McCormick. We'll be talking about the autobiography of Catherine Janeway. And our next comic corner will be the next two issues of Star Trek Year 5, so we'll be able to cover that entire story arc on one show. So you guys can keep an eye out for that. I'll get that information posted on our Facebook page possible. By the way, you guys want to go visit us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Trek Talking and Beyond, A-N-D, Beyond. Spell that all out and head right over there. Uh, give us a like, give us a follow, and that way you'll never miss an update on any of our shows. Or you can go to Blog Talk Radio backslash trektalk, and you can do the same thing there as well. So uh, one more thing I want to mention, we're going to be with you guys on Thursday night, 7.30 as usual, and we're going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery Season 3. We're going to talk about the entire season. We've got a couple of topics you want to talk about that slip through our fingers when we were covering the individual episodes we're going to have the overall fan scores as voted on by you guys on what you thought of season three and we're also going to go through and let you guys know how all of the episodes of season three stacked up against each other which ones you guys thought was the worst and which ones you guys thought were the best and that's going to be on thursday night at 7:30. so you don't want to miss that and I'll be back Sunday night with the Leslie Hoffman doing another exciting episode of Stunt Truck. So we got a lot of Trek to throw at you guys, and we won't want you to miss anything. So you can head over to the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization Facebook page and uh, say hello to Leslie. And uh, if you have any ideas for any future shows, you can do that there as well. So you guys have any, any uh, thing you want to – oh, there is some other news that I want to bring up. Something we haven't talked about in years, but it's nice to have it. Star Trek Attack Wing. It's back. Oh, it's back.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, it's pretty exciting. So, yeah. Yeah, so finally yeah. at the end of this month, after more than two years of waiting, um, we will see the release of Star Trek Alliance, which is. A cooperative um, Star Trek Attack Wing-based uh, package essentially comes with, uh, I think it's five ships, comes with all of the templates, dice, everything you need to play the game. And the cool thing about this is that it's a, uh, it's a cooperative thing. So it's, it actually has a pretty sophisticated AI um, as part of it um, that will work against you and your team. Uh, and I'm super excited to see the final version of it. I actually played, you guys might remember, I played a prototype version of this a couple of years ago uh, when I went to Origins and competed at Nationals, and uh, it was fun then. And uh, I think when Lynn Vander Studios has really kind of dialed it in uh, as much as they could uh, almost a year and a half ago, fought their way through manufacturing difficulties, and it's finally going to be available. I think a lot of people are super excited about that. Now, there was, a live Twitch,
1: there was a nice Twitch feed going on this morning to talk about the release of it, a little demo, I think. But for me, <laughs> Twitch is so laggy that I couldn't see it.
2: Hmm. But it
1: is out there, and I think it's linked onto our attack wing page. I think it is. You may be able to go out there and find it and maybe see the... Uh,
2: Hopefully there's
0: a demo and not just discussion. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, uh, Something I want to point out to you guys, if you you may or may not know this, there's a slight change to the name of the game. It's now being listed under Hero Clicks. And that's got a lot of fans thrown off the track a little bit. Um, and the reason why they do that is because WizKids owns Heroes Clicks. They created the Heroclix Mage Knight line, oh, I don't know, 15 years ago, 18 years ago, 20 years ago, a long time. And so they've been producing Heroclix all this time. And they even have a Heroclix Starship Combat game as well. So when they start production of Attack Wing, they were having some issues because a lot of, of the licenses expired and things of that nature. You have miniatures games, you have card games, you have tabletop games. It's very complicated, the licensing world. But by putting it under, the, under HeroClicks, they can avoid all that licensing because they own HeroClicks. So when you see it at your local game shop and it comes up under HeroClicks, it's the same game, so don't get nervous. And also, something that's really cool about this new set is it's it's a, a starter set, so to speak, because, as Eric said, it comes with everything you need to play the game, the dice, the counters, the range finders, everything you need, movement, templates, it's all in there, which means if you're a new player or – For instance, your gaming shop is getting rid of attack wing and you can pick up the ship's dirt cheap, but you weren't able to get a Klingon versus Federation starter set. Well, guess what? Pick up one of these and you'll be able to jump right in and play the game. So uh, just I just hope that they don't limit the production of these like they did with the Klingon Federation starter set and that these are readily available to everybody because it would be a great way for people to get back into the game. So.
2: I will say if oh. you are interested in this game, go to your game shop ASAP and make sure they can pre-order it uh, because I have heard that production runs are a little limited uh, and COVID has actually affected how much supply some shops can get. I know I talked to my shop and, you know, we wanted to get at least eight of <coughs> these ordered and they said, well, we, we'll order ten. There's a chance that we might only get four, and I don't exactly know all the ins and outs of why that is. But if you're interested in the set, I would recommend calling up your game shop ASAP because it it does release in uh, under two weeks now. So.
0: Yeah, uh, TJ was only able to get his hands on three, and they're already sold yeah. before they have them. They're gone already. Yeah. So they won't even see the shelf, over here in Whitehall. They're just going to go right out the and door. The thing, One of them's going to
2: me. And this, <laughs> Yeah, and the thing is that it's my understanding that a lot of this just has to do with manufacturing issues. This thing has been ready to go for a long time, but there there have been some issues that have caused them to had extreme manufacturing delays, which is why this thing has taken a more than two years to come out. So
0: keep an eye out for it, guys. I think
1: a lot of stuff and... right now are having manufacturer delays.
0: Yep. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully it can go back to somewhat normal Very soon, let's hope (laughs) Anyways guys uh, Thank you for your support and Thank you for tuning in and listening to us We couldn't do the show without you guys I want to say thank you to Eric for hanging out uh, Talking Star Trek comics And a little bit of Attack Wing with us tonight Thank you very much Eric
2: Absolutely, thanks guys, have a great night
0: And I also want to say thank you to Charles For hanging out uh, Talking comics and Attack Wing with us Thank you very, very much Charles Thank you and thank you to each and every one of you guys for listening. And please go to our Facebook page, give us a like, give us a follow, and uh, tell us what you think. We'd love to hear from you guys. I'm your Uncle Jim, your most excellent host. Thanks for listening. Good night, everybody. Hailing frequencies are closed.
1: Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there.
2: Engage.